we are going to be opening our Bibles here in a minute. Uh, and so if you need a Bible so that you can read along in Scripture with us, will you raise your hand? Um, or maybe you have your phone, but you actually want to hold uh, an actual book and turn actual pages. Will you raise your hand and uh, leave it up until the ushers get that to you? Okay, today is Community Life Sunday. It's Sunday fun day. Um, yeah, whew, it's fun. Uh, anybody here trying to avoid sugar? And you had it? Oh, yeah, sorry. Sorry, no hand raising right now unless you need a Bible. Thank you, Tamar, for holding me accountable. Um, I'll put my hands in my pockets because that always helps me. Uh, on... Community Life Sunday, what we do is we're kicking off the winter trimester. My son asked me earlier this week, what is a trimester? I said, well, it has tri in it. That means there's three of them in a year. And it's just a great title. I don't know why you guys don't like the word trimester. But uh, where we launch new community groups, and so um, they run for three months. They'll run February through April. And uh, our encouragement is that we all find community. And we all get into a group, but that when we do it, we don't just look through the list of groups and look for which one is cool, which people look it's easy or that kind of thing. But we actually slow down and we bring God into the conversation and say, Lord, what group do you want me in? Here's the thing is he's going to lead you to a group for two reasons. One, he wants you to get something out of it. And two, he wants you to give to others in that group. You could look and say, well, I don't know. I don't really have much to offer. You do, and we'll be talking about that here in a couple minutes. But it's so important. Also, we have what we call discipleship ministries. That's all of the ministries that are like demographic-based. So uh, men's ministry, women's ministry, youth, uh, young adults, seniors. So kind of age demographics or uh, men and women demographics, that kind of thing. And so we have those, each one of those youth is every week, but all the others um, take place once a month and would love to get our goal with um, this trimester is we're focusing on friendship. And the idea being that friendship relationship comes in unexpected ways, in unexpected places. And so it's not always there's this thing for a lot of us, especially even in the church, where we go to a church and then we begin looking for our people. What are our people? It's the people that look like us, sound like us, act like us. It's basically people that don't challenge us and, and, they, and they help us feel more comfortable. It's easy. But you know what? When God brought us together in the body of Christ, he, yeah, he wants us to have ease. He wants us to find rest. But he also wants to change us, and he changes us by bringing other people around. Look at the people around you, all those weird folks, all those people different than you. You know what? They don't vote exactly like you do. I don't know how you guys can even be in the same row. Even today, they're not voting for the same team. Now, we told everyone to wear their favorite jersey. I thought that I might get too many comments if I wore mine, so I'm not. Um, I was born in Northern California, lived there my whole life. Um, do you have a bracelet on that uh, someone from the youth team made that told me to abide in Psalms 49? I don't know. Um, and I am wearing gold and red and white, but I, I don't know. Um, I'm not here for a team. I'm here for the word of God. 
And yes, that's what it's about. Thank you. Um, but we want to stretch ourselves. The hope is that each one of us stre stretches ourselves to um, not just go into community because we're so relaxed and we have all this free time in our schedule to not just go into community because, oh, I found a cool group or I found an easy group or a comfortable group. We go into community because there's something that God wants to do in each one of us. We go into community because there's something he wants to do through us. We get together in our demographic groups, not because it's gonna be the most amazing time. Can I tell you that if, you, if you're a man and you show up to every men's ministry, some of them are gonna be a little boring to you, okay? Some of them you might not like, some of them you might be in a bad attitude, but that doesn't mean that we disengage in relationship from one another. It's not always about how you and I feel. It's about what does God want to do when he brings us together. So pep talk, that's like a halftime speech. So let's go, team. We're going back out onto the field. We're going to take February. We're going to take March. We're going to take April. We're going to win this. We're going to be best friends. And uh, we're going to enjoy each other. So, yes. Now, every team, though, you can have a great team speech but you still have to have plays, right? You have to know where's the ball going, what's taking place. So uh, if you'll take out your phone, and uh, there is a QR code if you're a QR code person. If you're not, I don't have time to explain it and I'd be the wrong person to try to explain it. Uh, you can go and type it into your Google, your Firefox, your Safari, your whatever other ones are still out there. And you can type in churchcenter.church and that takes you to church center. Why are we going to church center? Uh, that is where you find out information, but also that is where you get to look through and find the different groups that are being offered this trimester. So we're gonna look at this together and let's see if this works. Um, so if you go on to church center, are we working? Anything I need to do? Okay. Oh, there we are. Um, this is me, my church center, but I'm going to let you guys in. We'll do a little vulnerability and I'll let you scroll through with me. Uh, this is the CH weekly every week. This is here. This shows you what's going on and you can actually just use a finger or a thumb and you can scroll and uh, it shows you uh, right here at the top at a glance. So this shows you that we got community life launch. That's what we're doing. Uh, we got our Bible reading plan. Jude mentioned that. Nice little plug, Jude. I appreciate that. Uh, we got Tuesday fasting and prayer, something we do every single Tuesday. Uh, women's ministry small group night coming up this Thursday, ladies. Yeah. And you just heard the halftime speech. You're all coming to it. I'm excited. We have summer camps. How many families are already planning your summer? And you just want to know, when are the camps? Guess what? We already have the save the dates for you. Um, and then also communicate with us, which Tamar talked about. So we have our community group launch. We'll come back to view groups. This week's um, Bible reading plan, it runs for five days. That means you can skip reading the Bible for two days and still be caught up. Not saying that's a good idea, just saying if it happened, it happens. Um, 
This isn't, it's rethinking love and romance. Why are we doing that? Because we're talking about loving one another. If you didn't know it, Valentine's Day falls this week. But this isn't just about romantic love. This is about the way we're supposed to be treating one another and looking at Jesus Christ as the example of how he loved others. Uh, fasting and prayer. I know you guys usually want to keep scrolling and skip this one. But no, we're going to pause here. We're just going to sit in it and wait in it. Uh, the idea is how many of you could use breakthrough in your personal life? And we could use breakthrough in the church. And so we take this day every week and we pray, believing that our prayers actually have power, believing that God hears our prayers. We fast. It's not starving for Jesus. It's just pausing and setting aside, kind of pushing something aside and almost, you know, I like to use the hunger pains as like, oh, that's right. I should be praying right now and giving God that time. There's some focused times of prayer, but one I want to keep mentioning is that every Tuesday from 5 to 6 p.m., there is a group of people that are here, different teams of people. They're here for one reason, and it's to pray for you if you need prayer. All you have to do is come here between 5 and 6 and walk in and say the awkward words of, I could use prayer. But there's people here. It, I have to say, it sometimes boggles my mind how many people tell me they need prayer, but here we go. Quick little advertisement there. Proud sponsors. Um, anyway, if you need prayer, five to six, women's ministry, small group night, camp. Oh, I'm gonna scroll fast so you can't see it. So you have to go there. And then communicate with us. Okay, we're going to look at this. We're going to click on the view groups button. And we're going to scroll through those ones and all the ones I'm already part of. And then we have all these different community groups. And you just go through them. And there's going to, the title is a brief description. But I would recommend clicking on them to actually read the whole description. Um, you know, Bob and Sue, they have one called endurance. If you don't click on the description, you don't know. Like, is this, are they training for a marathon? Um, is it Lamaze classes? Like, you don't know what it is. Um, so there's all sorts of ones here. If you want to know how to be more lovable. Yeah, I mean, what's that mean? You know what I mean? Um, so all sorts of different classes. There's there are groups, there's different ones for different age groups. So I want to encourage you to look at that. Stay in tune with what's happening with Discipleship Ministries. Now, maybe just give yourself a couple more seconds to scroll through it. And then if you could put your phones away. Because <clears throat> I'm a jealous preacher. God's a jealous God. But, um, okay. We prayed, we did that, we're doing good. All right. Whew. I'm going to take a breath so I calm down. That halftime speech really got me excited. Um, we are doing a series called Radical Living, and it's more than a series. It's, uh, it's really the lifestyle we want to live, and we go back to it all the time. Um, depending on what era you grew up in, the word radical might have different connotations, a.k.a. the 80s, but... Uh, the reason we look at it is the idea is we don't want to just live. We want to live radically. We want to be different. Radical kind of, it, it implies that it's not the normal way. 
It's not the comfortable way. There's something a tad bit crazy about it. There's something a tad bit daring about it. There's something uh, a tad bit unique about it. There's something a tad bit brave about it because we're living not according to what makes us feel safe. We're living according to who is Jesus and how did he call us to live? What's important though, is that we remember, we're gonna be going to the Lord's table here um, in a little bit. And we're gonna be doing what Jesus told us to do is to take the cracker, to take the juice in remembrance of what he did on the cross. What you and I have to remember is that our salvation is in Jesus Christ alone. There is absolutely nothing you and I can do to earn more of God's love. There is, there's nothing. So we don't practice radical living because we're trying to earn more of God's love or we're trying to earn our salvation or we're trying to earn it. We do it because we have accepted his gift and it is our response to say, Lord, I am so blessed, so overwhelmed with how you treat me. I want to walk in obedience with what you've called me to. That's why we want to live radically, because he's called each one of us to be his disciple. You know, in creation, God, his original plan was for you and I to abide with him. It was to be radical. There wasn't going to be a separation. It was going to be this natural drawing, this natural connection in that way. But sin in you and I, just as sin in Adam and Eve, what it's caused us to do is to decide that we have a better way. Or I don't know if I trust him. What if he's hiding that thing in the closet and it's really good for me, but what if he's hiding it from me? We have to trust that he's a good, good father. And we have to trust that his ways aren't our ways. I don't know if you've ever built something from Ikea or anything from anywhere where they had instructions. You know, God gave us he designed us. He's the engineer. He's the architect of every single one of us in this room. And as an engineer and an architect, he knows exactly how we were put together. He knows exactly how we're supposed to live our life. And there is a proper way for us to function. The issue comes in where you and I were almost like a piece of furniture. Oh, that's kind of a weird way to say it. Um, we're... Basically, I just lost myself, but it's like we have the instructions and we decide we have a better way, so we throw the instructions out. We start building it and we wonder why it doesn't work right. We wonder why it wobbles a little too much. We wonder why it's a little off-center. We wonder why that drawer just keeps kind of the bottom right corner of the top drawer is hitting the top right corner of the middle drawer. And it's like, I just don't know why. And then someone walks in and is like, well, did you, you sure you did it right? Yeah, I'm sure I did it right. Well, did you read the instructions? I mean, I looked and the pictures, yeah, I, yeah, I got it. But then we wonder why it's not working right. Radical living is us slowing down to say, God, I'm gonna acknowledge you as the architect. I'm gonna acknowledge you as the engineer. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to surrender to your ways, even when they don't exactly make sense or they're not exactly fun. If you've ever tried to follow instructions, anybody here actually like instructions? Are there a couple? Really? 
if you guys could fill out like a connecting card, because I think there's a lot of people that would be blessed by your spiritual gift. I hate instructions. Absolutely. They go so slow, but it's weird because I love rules and I love structure, but instructions, it's like, come on, just sh like, I just want to start building and, um, Wow, I did not expect that many of you to like it. Show me your hands again. Really? Wow. Everyone look around. Next time you buy something at Ikea, just ask them. Say you're just so blessed by who they are. Okay, real quick, a couple areas where we want to live radically is by keeping the Sabbath. Again, we don't do these things to earn anything. We do it out of obedience and trusting that God had a great design in his engineering and his architecture. And so we find rest and delight, the way we treat one another. And we'll be talking about that. Tithing and giving doesn't make sense, but there's something in it. There's something in the trust. There's something in how it challenges us. Choosing joy. And choosing joy isn't just laughing when there's a funny joke or smiling when everything is going our way. It's choosing joy that how blessed we are to be loved by God in the way that he loves us. Conversations with God, using that word, those words instead of prayer, because sometimes we think of prayer is just something we do, you know, at night. It's just, Lord, give me good dreams. Help me to sleep peacefully. God, I pray that even though I eat a whole bunch of junk food, my body would be healthy. Even though I never exercise, that my heart and blood would really be working and help everybody I don't like to get out of my life. And Lord, just give me more money. Amen. That's sometimes we see that as prayer, but God wants to have a conversation with us. That means you walk and you, you actually visualize that he's walking next to you. Kaya, will you be God for me real quick? Just standing in, I'm not creating another image in his likeness or anything, but where I feel like I'm walking and I'm talking with God about, you know, Lord, I have this new daughter-in-law and I just, I don't, I don't know how to communicate with her. And I just ask that you would help me, that you would help me see things from her perspective and help me um, to trust that she has my best interest at heart. Amen. So thank you, Kaya. So we walk with God and we have a conversation with God. We surrender. We surrender our life. That's letting go. Mark, we sang and he, and he even shared about, you know, Lord, I, this isn't, this, this come, this is hard for me. But we let go of control. Okay. We have people that like instruction manuals. How many control freaks? Oh, come on. Everybody's now shy. Give me a break. I know if there's that many people that like instruction manuals, there's way more control freaks in the room. Um, forgiveness. Forgiveness is radical. Everything tells us to hold on to it. That person doesn't deserve forgiveness. They don't deserve you to let them off the hook for what they did to you. Forgiveness is radical. Absolutely radical. But it's not just something that you do for others. It's part of God's architecture and his engineering of how he made us. It actually blesses us more than it blesses them. They talk about unforgiveness as drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. So this isn't God just giving us some crazy thing to do. He's trying to help us. 
but we resist it. We're like, no, I'm not going to use that bolt. It doesn't make sense. I'm going to use the smaller one because I know better than these instructions. We need to forgive. Witness. He wants us to witness. He wants us to share with others what he's done in and through us. Waiting. Waiting on the Holy Spirit. It's radical. People are like, you, you heard what you're supposed to do. Go do it. No, I'm going to wait. I want to I ask, when am I supposed to do it? I want to wait until I know how I'm supposed to do it. I'm going to wait for his wisdom. I'm not going to rush out in my own strength. I'm going to sit and I'm going to wait. What if you miss your opportunity? I trust in him. I'm going to wait. We're going to wait. You know, Saul, the king, totally messed up everything he was doing because he chose not to wait. He took matters into his own hands. Last one, hospitality. Not just do you invite your friends over, not just do you have a group of people you like to eat with, but when was the last time we invited people radically into our home to eat that maybe smelled? When was the last time we invited people over that we actually don't know what kind of conversation we're going to have? We're not doing it because it's going to be easy. We do it because Jesus invites us to his table every meal. He always has an open chair for you and I every day of the week. And you know what? You and I smell sometimes. Maybe a little more than sometimes. We might not always be the best conversationalists, but he invites us to the table and he's asked us to live in the same way, radically doing that. All right. Good intro. Okay. Today we're talking about one another. Going to look at two questions to consider. Uh, Number one, where is God inviting you? Everyone say me. So where is God inviting you to go deeper in community and friendship with others that? So this, this part's all easy up until, so where's God inviting me to go deeper in community and friendship? I could tell you a whole bunch of ways, but I have to keep reading with others that are not like you. So where is he asking you to stretch yourself with the people that you normally wouldn't? And it doesn't work just to say, oh, I, I do have that one friend, that one friend that's not like me. No, where is he inviting you to go deeper? Second one, who do you need to see as sacredly made in the image of God and as important part of the body of Christ? So another way you could look at that question is, who is it that you don't see as made in the image of God? Who do you not see as an important member of the body of Christ because of the way they look, the way they act, the way they dress, the music they listen to, the way they vote, where they work, um, the car they drive, any of that kind of stuff. All right, we're going to look at four scriptures here. We're going to look at Mark chapter 12, verse 29 through 31. Love God and love others. If you think we've read that a couple times, you're absolutely right. You wonder how many more times are we going to read it until we actually get it right. Second one, Genesis 1, 26 through 27. We were made in the image of God. What an amazing thing. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 27. We are all part of the body of Christ. Lastly, John 13, 34 through 35, our love is proof. So that's what we're going to do. 
Um, so if you will go to Mark chapter 12, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Don't know why I had to say all of them. Just go to Mark. Chapter 12. This is known as the greatest commandment. Jesus has been asked, what is the most important commandment? Verse 29, Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel. You like to read this? Listen, O city harvest. The Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your all your, all your, all your, the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Why would it be that that would be the most important, the greatest, the most impactful commandment of all to love God with all of that and to love others as ourselves? Because if we can learn to love God in that way, we then are obeying his commands and his instructions, and we live the thriving life he originally intended us to live, even in the garden. He wanted us to thrive with him. A lot of times we look at negative things happening. We see it always as happening to us. Many times those things happen to us because we bring it upon ourselves in our own actions. Kind of like my fake prayer of, Lord, let me just eat whatever I want. But God, I, I believe that you're the miraculous God, so keep me healthy, even though I just choose to you know, eat however I want. In there, it said to love them with our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. For you, four words I'll kind of use to describe this. Your heart is like your passion. To love him with your, your desire, your passion, your soul, your emotion. To love him with all of your emotion, your mind, your thought, and your strength would be like your ability. We are loving him with everything. We don't just contain it in our mind. We don't just say, yeah, I love my dear Lord and he's in my heart. Jesus. No, we love him with all that we are. It's so easy to, again, give God part of us and then hold back so much. He wants the whole thing. But in that place of surrender, we actually get life. Why is it that we love others as ourselves? Because we really can't say that we love God with all that we are if we don't show others love. Why? Because God is love. And the very thing that creates the bridge between us and the Father is the sacrificial love of the Son. And so to truly accept it is then to love others. So it's foundational in everything that we do. We love God. That's like his kingdom. We love others. That's his will. When we put God first, we're loving his kingdom. When we love others, we are walking in the will of God, our purpose in our life. Okay, now we're going to go to the beginning. 
Genesis chapter one. If you get to the index, you went too far. Genesis chapter one. Verse 26 through 27, it says, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. He made us in his image. Why is that important? Well, if you're like me, you've maybe sometimes looked at yourself in the mirror and you see a lot of things you don't like about yourself. Or, you know, being in the image of God doesn't just mean that if you actually, someone was able to capture a picture of God, you would be like, oh my gosh, Pete has his father's eyes. Yes, he looks just like him. No, you know, God has that same gap between his two top front teeth that Pete does. It always looks like a piece of peppers there. It's not just about the way we look. It's the way we act. It's the gifts that he put in us. It's the abilities he put in us. It's the personalities that he gave you and I. That's the image. He made every single one of us. So one, we have to come to a place of first Loving ourselves and realizing you were made in the image of God. Do you have a nature, a sin nature that bends you towards sometimes being selfish and choosing things that benefit you? Sure. But still, you were designed in the image of God. We accept that for ourselves, then we have to accept it for those around us. And start looking at the person next to you person in front of you, the person on the other side of the room as also made in the image of God. We each bear his image. And so from that place, we might not always agree with one another, but there is something we rest in in knowing that each other were made in the image of God. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Go Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians. Go to chapter 12, verse 12 through 27. It says, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, 
And God has put each part just where he wants it. I know I'm supposed to read all the way through, but I just have to pause there and read 18 again. But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen. While the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. Man, it's amazing. So he made us, again, we're going to the architect. We're going to the engineer who designed us, who, who, who put us together. This is his owner's manual. And he's laying out and he's telling us the way he made each one of us was on purpose. And he uses the human body as an example of how silly I would look if instead of eyes and a mouth and a nose, I just had ears all over me. It would sound like one of the creatures in the book of Revelation. But how weird it would be. But yet, what we do a lot of times in community, even in the church, is we say, I'm an elbow. I'm a joint. I cause two bones to move back and forth. So therefore, I only want to hang out with other joints. I prefer elbows. I will hang out with my cousin, the knee, and I'll tolerate the shoulder and the hip and the wrist and the ankle. And that's as far as I go. I actually don't like knuckles. I think they're weak. They're small. They're kind of important. They, they, they wouldn't stand up to my strength. I definitely don't like organs. They're so mushy. There's nothing solid about them. Supposedly things flow through them, but it's not like they're holding on to something and they help it shift back and forth. But yet that's exactly how we a lot of times treat each other. We look around and we say, those people aren't like me. They don't benefit me. They're so emotional. They're so opinionated. They, they you know, that, those, well, I won't go through all the analogies. I think you guys know you've been here long enough or you've known people long enough. But we do the very thing where we cast it off and we say it's not of importance. And we have to remember, you and I are all, we are all made in God's image. Two, we are all part of the body of Christ. So we stand in it for ourselves, But to acknowledge it for ourselves, we have to acknowledge it for one another. If I am casting others out is not made in his image and casting others out is not part of his body, I am actually casting myself out. 
Not only that, if I reject you because I don't like your personality, I don't like the gifts that you bring, I don't like your Enneagram number, I don't like, you know, your Myers-Briggs score, I am actually telling God I don't like part of who you are. Because I am not the great picture, even though sometimes I think so. I am not the complete version of God. I'm a piece, and so are you. So we have to accept each other in that way. I'm going to show you a quick, uh, a quick video. It's about what's called as the, the fundamental attribution error. But it's, it has to do with the way you and I think and the way that we view others versus ourselves in our failures and our successes. Let's watch this real quick. When I work with teams, I find that there's something that stifles trust building that can be avoided if we understand something called the fundamental attribution error. Now, I learned about this in college in a social psychology class. It sounds very sophisticated, but this fundamental attribution error is just this. Human beings tend to attribute other people's negative behaviors to their character. They make an internal attribution. If someone annoys me, I will say, well, they've got a fundamental problem they have to change. If I, on the other hand, annoy other people, I will attribute it to my environment and say, I'm just having a bad day or a tough situation here. If I'm on the freeway, I cut somebody off, it's because I need to get there on time. And you know, people are waiting for me. If someone else cuts me off, I tend to think that person is rude and has a bad attitude. This is very common, very human, but it must be avoided on teams because if we can't understand one another and make an accurate attribution about the way people behave, we are not gonna trust each other. We need to do what St. Francis said when he said, seek to understand more than to be understood. So if we can understand and avoid the fundamental attribution error, we're going to be able to trust more effectively and quickly on our teams. So I'll read kind of through. We tend to falsely attribute the negative behaviors of others to their character. So when you do something wrong, I think you have bad character. While we attribute our own negative behaviors to our environment, I just struggle with that because of the home I grew up in. I'm just struggling with that. Like, I... You're mad at me, and it's because you're a jerk. I'm mad at you, it's because you don't know the financial stress that I'm under, or you don't know the, the family I grew up in, or you don't know um, how I'm, I'm, I'm panicking for, for a sibling that's sick, or those types of things. We tend to attribute others' success to their environment, meaning you got there because you're lucky. You, you're, you knew the right person who opened the door for you. You always get lucky. It's because you grew up in a family that had a lot of money. And our success to our character. I got here because I'm amazing. I am diligent. I'm hardworking. I'm loyal. I'm a control freak. We, we, so we look at ourselves as we got here because our character. So you understand? I look at you as everything you do wrong is because of your character and everything I do wrong is because of my environment, the hard things I've gone through. But I flip it around and I look at your success is only because of your environment. You did, you had nothing to do with it. You didn't try nothing. And I look at my success as because I am hardworking and I push through. So we like to believe that we are inherently good and talented while others are merely lucky beneficiaries of good fortune. There's a president, but I'm not going to say who right away because I'll determine whether or not you listen to what I'm saying. 
He says, too often we judge other groups by their worst examples while judging ourselves by our best intentions. And this has strained our bonds of understanding and common purpose. But Americans, I think we uh, have a great advantage to renew our unity. We only need to remember our values. I would say that to us, that a lot of times we judge each other here, even in our church family by their worst examples, while judging ourselves by our best intentions. And this has strained our bonds of understanding and common purpose. But City Harvest, I think we have a great advantage to renew our unity. We only need to remember our values. We have been held together by blood. We're we're not held together by blood or background. We are bound by things of the spirit by shared commitments of common ideals. At our best, we practice empathy, imagining ourselves in the lives and circumstances of others. This is the bridge across our nation's deepest division. This is the bridge across our church's deepest divisions is when we begin to look at each other and we have empathy for what the other person is going through. We slow down and seek to understand what was going on in their life. I remember we were, we had a, a team meeting and it was pretty intense, the team dynamics for quite a few years. And I remember we went on this retreat and we were going around and just doing a basic team building exercise of you just uh, share um, where you grew up, you share how many kids were in your family, you share where you were in the birth order and you share one of the, the, the most impactful or hardest things that took place in your life. There was one person that was kind of um, several people were struggling with that person. And the, the, the person said some things about the way they grew up and the way they moved around, grew up in the military. So they never were in the same school for even a complete year. If they were there for a full year, that was the most they ever were there. And then started to say, and because of that, I, I started to shut down and I stopped becoming friends, trying to make new friends because it was too painful. Oh my gosh, it wasn't just a light bulb going off. It was floodlights like in a stadium going off in our minds like this makes so much sense. But prior to understanding that and slowing down to hear that, all we saw was a jerk. All we saw was someone, but you know what? Their life circumstance does affect it, as does yours and I's. But we only see that when we get into community with one another. And we get around people that we think are different than us and we allow God to shape something in us. Last one, our love is proof. You'll turn to John chapter 13. John chapter 13, 34 through 35. Jesus here is talking. Verse, chapter 13, verse 34, he says, So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. How do we love each other? He says, just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. He tells us to love one another. He wasn't just telling them back then. It is alive and it is for you and I. We need to love each other. 
How do we love each other? You ever asked yourself, like, Lord, you know, I've prayed this prayer even for Tamar and I in our marriage because I know you guys see us. You saw her punching me in the face today while she was worshiping. But um, we've had a couple days where we just didn't see eye to eye. And I would go on a prayer walk and be like, Lord, I need you to teach me how to love her. Will you show me how to love her better? And I think it's some big complex thing, but he says it right here. How do we love each other better? We love each other the way that he loved us. And whenever God's told me that, I say, oh, time out. That seems a little extreme. That would take me to completely let go of my pride and let go of where I believe I'm right and justified to, you know, kind of hold her at bay. He says, no, love her exactly the way I have loved you. He wants you and I to love each other just like he has loved us. But here's what's amazing. Maybe by now you're still looking at my gold pants and my red shirt and you're thinking, I, I might in Psalms 49, I don't know, I'm catching on. There might be a team. And you might know which team by the proof of the colors I'm wearing or someone's jersey that's sitting next to you. But you know what he says is they. Who are they? Everybody else. They're going to know. So let's say it to us. If he was here and he was speaking, he would be telling us, I want you guys to love one another as you go in to February and March and April. I want you to show each other love and compassion. Love the Lord your God with all that you are, but love each other. And we say, but Jesus, how do we do it? He says, just like I love you. Just love each other that way. Nothing more, nothing less. It's real simple. The same love you get from me, show each other that love. Then he says, you know what's so amazing? Is when you walk out, all of us, say us. As we go out these doors today, wherever we go and wherever our week takes us, he tells them this, the way we treat each other. Look around the room. Spend a little more time on someone you don't like. The way we treat each other is going to prove to them that we follow him. It's not how big my Bible is. It's not the bumper stickers on my car. It's not the Christian post that I put on Facebook. It's not how I'm always talking politics and what position and, and how I'm standing up for righteousness. It's not the fact that I go down and I, and I, and I serve some, some nonprofit. It's not because I show up to church every week and I say, no, that's my Sabbath. That's my Sunday. It's not because of that. Those things just show action. A lot of people go a lot of places and do a lot of things. I know a lot of people with gym memberships that look like me, which means they aren't doing much with it. He says the way that they're going to know that you follow me isn't so much what you say. It's not because you declare it. It's not because you wear a bracelet that says abide so that someone could say, what's that mean? Oh, glad you asked. John 15, 4. I'm going to remain in him. And as I do, he's going to remain in me. They're like, oh, you must be one of his disciples. No, the way they know we follow Jesus is because of the way we treat one another. The way we care for one another. Why is it going to be such a big statement? 
because no one else does it. All the other things are common. We can all become part of a club. We can all give to a nonprofit. We can all fast and, and sacrifice different things in our life and push them away. Everyone around this globe does it all the time. We can all have a book that we love to quote. We can all put our opinions on social media. Everybody does it. You know what makes people unique? Is when we treat each other the way that Jesus treated us. And even though we're so different and we disagree, we don't cancel each other out. We don't just hang out with the groups that make us feel comfortable, but we hang out with all of us. And we see that we're all made in the image of God. We see that we're all part of this body of Christ. Ushers, if you guys will come up and begin to pass out the elements and uh, praise team, you guys can come up. We can put up the questions to consider. So ask yourself this question again. Where is God inviting you to go deeper in community and friendship with others that aren't like you? Just think about it. Where in your life right now? It might be in your immediate family. It might be in your school. It might be in your workplace. What I really want us to focus on right now is us in this room. Us that call City Harvest home. Hey, buddy. Great to see you. Even though you're a Browns fan. But you know what? I still love you because you're made in the image of God and you're part of the body and I couldn't survive without you because I can't talk up here and pass that out. So yes, Woo. recovered that one. But let's look at it. Where is God inviting us to go deeper in community and friendship with others that are not like us? It's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take us shutting our mouth, opening our ears. It's going to take us setting aside some of what we call our free time or my me time, to actually get to know you. It's going to take me having to be vulnerable and allow you to get to know me, to actually risk something and step out and say, I'm going to tell you a little bit about me. Who do you need to see as sacredly made in the image of God and as, import, as an important part of the body of Christ? Keep your eyes open, but we're going to pray. So I want you to, oh, I'm sorry. You guys can, yeah, be passing. Sorry. Should have said that. Go ahead and pass. Right now they're passing out what we call the communion elements. It's cracker. It's juice. We take this. Jesus told his disciples right before he went on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. He told us to do this in remembrance of him. Why would we do that? Same reason you go to uh, uh, um, where are grave sites at a graveyard. That's where they are. Thank you, Tamar. Same reason you would go to, but that's not called a graveyard. What's it called? Cemetery. Thank you. Sorry, guys. Let's get back spiritual. Get back on focus. Same reason you go to a cemetery for a loved one and you look at their stone and it has their name is there's remembrance. Same reason there's monuments in every country that signify different things. It's about remembrance. Same reason you might have a, a photo book of different pictures of something that took place in your life. It's for remembrance.
Same reason you maybe journal, it's for remembrance. Same reason you sometimes get together with friends and to talk about something that took place, it's for remembrance. We love to talk about the good old days. We love remembrance. This is an act of remembrance. What are we remembering? That Jesus Christ went on the cross to pay the penalty. Him being perfect and sinless, went there and took on all of our sin for one reason, that you and I would be able to live eternally with God. He said, I'm going to do this sacrifice so that all of you have the opportunity, even though you don't deserve it, and even though there's nothing you can ever do to deserve it, I am going to pay the penalty and I'm going to give you a ticket to my father. I'm going to connect the phone line so you guys can now talk whenever you want to. I will be the bridge between you and your humanity and my, my holy father. I'm going to hold these two together. And he did it for us. The cracker represents his broken body. He broke the cracker in front of his disciples. And he says, this represents my body is being broken. It's going to be broken for you. And it broke for you and I. The juice represents his blood. The life was drained out of him so that you and I could receive life. So there's no weird ritual in the cracker, in the juice. If you thought there was, I'm sorry. It is literally a flavorless cracker and some oversweet juice. That is it. But it's an act of remembrance. The specialness isn't in it. It's in what does it represent? And what does it represent for you and I? But God, right now, I ask that you would show each one of us where it is that we can grow in this area of loving one another. First, I ask for each person in this room that as they take these elements, whether they've never walked with you before and today's the first time, that this would be an act of holding the cracker in the juice, representing what you did and say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to confess that I am a sinner and I make mistakes. And today I want to follow you for all the days of my life. But in it, we would accept your free gift. But Lord, that you would also show us where we can act like you more. Show us how we can love each other better. And not just when it benefits us, but because you loved us, let us love others. Lord, would you show us the people that we've maybe come up with reasons why we feel justified in pushing them away, but you want to bring them to our attention to love with more grace, to love with more empathy, more understanding. Does it mean what they're doing is right? But God, you've loved me a lot of times when I'm not doing right. What you have is you have patience for me. You're actually telling me that what I'm doing isn't what you designed, but you're always waiting with open arms for me to come back to you. The chair is always pulled out at your table. Lord, who is it that you want us to show a little more love to? Who are the groups that we've pushed away? 
Right now, we, God, we take this cracker and we take this juice. We remember what you did for us. God, I help pray that you would help us as a family, a church family, to not insult the free gift you gave us and then be stingy and not offer it back to others. But as freely it was given to us, we would freely give it. We would be radical in the way we love one another. We would be radical in the way that we're quick to forgive. We'd be radical in the way that we seek to understand where each other have come from. We would be radical in the way that we get out of our cliques and we get out of our comfort zones and we allow ourselves to be stretched. Young with old, married with singles, one side of the political spectrum with the other side of the political spectrum. Those that have been following Jesus for a long time and those that are still skeptical that he even exists. Let us love. Let's take the cracker and the juice. We guys stand if you're able. We're gonna sing real quick, and um, you know I wanna I wanna encourage you that this is actually taking place. This last trimester, I led a group called the Journey Course, and it was about leaving unwanted um, sexual behaviors. A lot of times we can look at that as something where we just need to slap our hand and to not do something or look at something or act out on something, and that's really wasn't what it wasn't. It wasn't about male, female. We all have things that have taken place in our life. And one of the ways that we try to compensate it when we hold on to those things is to go after things that are unwanted in our life. And they, and they, they almost become a way to soothe the pain that's inside of us. In this group, it was the most beautiful thing. I have one of the top things I've ever seen outside of the beauty of my wife is that in this group we have been, the oldest was, I believe, 72, and the youngest was 16. And a whole bunch of guys in between those ages. And there was not a difference in the vulnerability and the honesty that was shared. There was never a moment where there was a, oh, you know, young little grasshopper, whatever you would say, you know, you're gonna learn. No, there was what we were, we're all sons of God. And we're all people that have been children and have gone through things. And we're all trying to make our way and we've stumbled and we've messed up in all sorts of ways. And there was a community that was taking place. Man, almost every single time we had a morning Zoom call and an evening Zoom call for different groups. I was always amazed. I would tell Tamar, I'm like, it was the most beautiful thing every time because we were doing something that people don't do. Next month, the youth ministry and the senior ministry, meaning the teenagers, those 13 to 18, and those at least 65 on or 60 on are coming together. You don't wanna know why? 
not because I forced it, not because we had some idea and then asked them if they would get along with it, because the youth leaders said, we want to do a ministry night with the seniors. And so in March, they're coming together to get to know each other and to worship their God. It is the most beautiful thing because that doesn't happen. Usually it's, ah, those people are old. They're stuck in their ways. And usually it's those kids are young. They're arrogant. They never want advice. And there's always these reasons to push each other away. I want you to know that God is doing something. And I believe he wants to show our city that he is real. But I believe it starts with the way you and I love each other.